Winter, Chapter 18, December 24th, Christmas Eve, and the most wonderful thing happened. The day was just like any other. We'll have a big meal tomorrow, and of course, though Mom and Matt and Johnny don't know it, they're all getting presents. I'm so excited at the thought of giving them things. No laundry, though. We draped the clothesline with tinsel and hung ornaments on it. Matt called it a horizontal Christmas tree. Okay, that means today wasn't just like any other. We sat around this evening and started talking about Christmas pass. At first, you could see Mom didn't know if that was a good idea. But she didn't stop us, and we all had stories to tell, and we were laughing and feeling great. And then in the distance, we could hear singing. Actual caroling. We put on our coats and gloves and boots and went outside. Sure enough, there were a handful of people singing carols down the road. We immediately joined them. Thanks to the path Matt and John had shoveled, we didn't have too much trouble getting to the road level. There were some icy patches, and I wasn't crazy about Mom coming along, but there was no stopping her. The road itself is still covered with three feet of snow. Nobody's been traveling on it, so we created our own paths. It was thrilling to be outside, to be singing, to be with people again. I recognized the Mortensons from half a mile down. The other people I didn't know at all, but our road is funny. Even in good times, we didn't socialize with most of our neighbors. Mom says when she was growing up, she did, but so many of the old families had moved out and new people had moved in and neighbors neighborliness has changed now being a good neighbor means minding your own business as we trudged and sang loud and off key another family joined us we ended up with 20 people acting the way people used to or at least the way they used to in the movies i don't think we've ever had carolers before finally it got too cold even for the most dedicated among us we finished with silent night mom cried and she wasn't alone we hugged each other and said we should see more of each other but i doubt that we will we don't want anyone else to know how much food we have or firewood, and they don't want us to know either. Still, it was a wonderful Christmas Eve, and tomorrow is going to be even better. December 25th. Absolutely the best Christmas ever. We woke up in great moods, and we talked all morning about how much fun it had been to go caroling the night before. We don't even like the Mortensons, but seeing them last night, knowing they were still around and healthy, was so incredibly reassuring. We made a joyful noise, Mom said. It's good to remember what joy feels like. And lunch. What a feast. First we had beef broth with oyster crackers. Our main course was linguine with red clam sauce and string beans on the side. Mom even pulled out the bottle of wine Peter had brought up, brought ages ago. So we had wine with our dinner. For dessert, Mom served the lime jello I'd gotten at the free food handout last summer. I don't know when she made it, but somehow she'd slipped it past us and it was an incredible surprise. So much food, so much laughing, it was great. Then we all kind of hemmed and hawed and harumphed and excused ourselves. I went up to my bedroom to get everybody's presents, and much to my surprise, Mom and Matt and John also went upstairs to their rooms. When we met back in the sunroom, we were all carrying presents. Only Moms were wrapped with real gift wrap. I'd use magazine pages for my presents, and Matt and John used grocery bag brown paper. But we were all surprised. So many presents. It turned out there were two presents for each of us, and one for Horton. Horton opened his first. It was a brand new catnip mouse. I got it at the pet supply store, John said. I didn't tell anybody because I figured I was just supposed to be buying food and litter. And then I figured at least Horton should get a Christmas present. So I held on to it. It was actually a present for all of us. Horton immediately fell in love with the mouse and licked it and jumped on it and acted like a kitten. I thought about how scared I'd been when he'd run away. But he knew what family was too. And he came back. And we were all together, the way we were meant to be. Mom told us to open our presents from her next. They're nothing special, she said. 
Peter got them for me from the hospital gift shop before it closed. That makes them more special, I said, and I meant it. I wish Peter could be here with us. Mom nodded. Well, open them already, she said. Just don't count on there being anything fancy. My fingers trembled when I carefully removed the gift wrap. It was a brand new diary, a really pretty one with a pink cover and a tiny little lock and key. Oh, Mom, I said. I've never seen anything so beautiful. John's present was a handheld battery-run baseball game. Don't worry, Mom said. Batteries are included. John's grin was so bright he could have lit up the whole room. This is great, Mom, he said. Something for me to do. Matt's present was a shaving kit. I figured you were due for some new razor blades, Mom said. Thanks, Mom, Matt said. I've been feeling a little scraggly. I insisted Mom open my present next. She unwrapped it, and when she saw it was a box of actual chocolates, her jaw dropped. They're probably a little stale, I said. Who cares, Mom cried. They're chocolates. Oh, Miranda, of course we'll share. I can't eat the whole box by myself. She stopped and covered her mouth with her hand. Oh, I didn't mean that the way it came out. I burst out laughing. John kept asking what the joke was, but that only made me and Mom laugh louder. So I told Johnny to open his present for me next. He ripped into the paper and then flung the top of the shoebox. I don't believe this, he shouted. Matt, look at these cards. Look at them. They're hundreds and they're old. They're from the 50s and 60s. Look, Mickey Mantle and Yogi and Willie Mays. I've never seen a collection like this before. I'm glad you like them, I said, relieved he didn't ask where they came from. Matt, you go next. Matt opened my present to him. What? he said at first. I mean, this is really nice, Miranda, but I don't think I understand. Oh, I said. I know the pictures are all colored, but the pencils were in great shape, and I thought you could draw on the backs of the pictures. You used to draw really well, and I thought maybe you'd like to do it again. His face lit up. That's a great idea, he said. You keep your journal, and I'll draw pictures of all of us. Thanks, Miranda. I'm going to love these pencils. If I'd known he was going to draw us, I'd have looked for great pencils, but he seemed excited, and that made me happy. Open our presents next, Johnny said, so I cheerfully did. It was a watch. How did you know I needed one, I asked. You keep asking me what time it is, Matt said. It wasn't too hard to guess. I almost asked where he, the watch came from, but then I really looked at it and saw it had been Mrs. Nesbitt's. It was an old-fashioned watch, the kind you have to wind every day. Her husband had given it to her, and I knew how much she cherished it. Thank you, I said. It's a beautiful gift. I love it, and now I'll stop pestering you. I guess this present is the last one, Mom said. But honestly, this whole day has been such a gift, I don't need any more presents. Open it, Matt said, and we all laughed. All right, Mom said. She took off the grocery bag paper and fell silent. Oh, Matt, she said, Johnny, where did you find this? What is it, I asked. Mom showed me what she was holding. It was an old black and white photograph of a young couple holding a baby, and it was in a frame. Are those your parents, I asked. Mom nodded, and I could tell it was all she could do to keep from crying. And that's Mom in the picture, John said. She's the baby. Oh, Mom, let me see, I said, and she handed it over to me. It's beautiful. Where did you find it? Mom asked. In a box at Mrs. Nesbitt's, Matt said. I saw it was old photographs, and I brought it back here. She labeled all the pictures on the back. It was John's idea to go back and find a picture frame it would fit in. I didn't remember ever seeing the picture before, so I thought maybe you didn't have it. I didn't, Mom said, taking it back from me. It's summertime, and we're on the back porch. How funny. We're in the same exact place, only now it's been enclosed. I must be about six months old. I guess we are visiting my grandparents. Mr. Nesbitt probably took the picture. I think I can make out his shadow. Do you like it? John asked. It isn't like it costs anything. I love it, Mom said. I have so few memories of my parents and so little to remember them by. This picture, well, it takes me back to a different time. 
I will cherish it always. Thank you. I think I'll start sketching, Matt said. I'll do some preliminary sketches before using my pencils. He grabbed some of the paper bag, pulled out the black pencil, and began drawing. Then Mom did something that made me even happier. She opened up her box of chocolate and read the diagram very carefully. Then she took the top off the box and placed 12 of the chocolates in it, passed it over to us. You can all share this, she said. The rest is mine. I love that I was going to get to eat some chocolate, but that Mom respected the fact it was my gift to her and not to all of us. The Christmas after, Mom and Dad split up. They both went crazy buying us presents. Matt, Johnny, and I were showered with gifts at home and at Dad's apartment. I thought that was great. I was all in favor of my love being paid for with presents. This year, all I got was a diary and a secondhand watch. Okay, I know this is corny, but this really is what Christmas is all about. December 27th. No Christmas vacation for us. I'm back at history. John at algebra, Matt at philosophy, and Mom at French. We share what we learned, so I'm getting a refresher course in algebra and keeping up with my extremely minimal French skills. We got into some really heated discussions about philosophy and history. Also, Mom decided that while Texas Hold'em has its good points, it isn't enough. She dragged out our Scrabble and chess sets, and now we play them, too. We play Scrabble together. So far, Mom's on a winning streak. And anytime two of us are in the mood, we play chess. Mom got in her head that even though none of us can sing, we should do a sound of music thing and sing together. If Julie Andrews ever heard us, she'd probably jump into the first available volcano. But we don't care. We believe show... We bellow show tunes and Beatles songs and Christmas carols at the top of our lungs and call it harmony. Mom's starting to make us darling little matching outfits out of the drapes. Winning all those Scrabble games is definitely going to her head. December 31st. Tomorrow I'm going to start using my new diary. It has a three-year calendar in it, so I'll know what the date is. For some reason, that makes me very happy. Matt has been sketching every chance he gets. He even goes outside and sketches our desolate winter landscape. When he was outside this afternoon, I decided the time had come to decorate the sunroom. John and I put nails in the plywood and windows and hung up the paintings that Mrs. Nesbitt had left to him and Matt. Then I asked Mom where Matt's sketch of me skating was. It took her a while even to remember it, and then a while longer to figure out where it was. Back of the shelf in her closet. I put on my coat and gloves and went upstairs and found it. I also took a photograph of us kids, one of those Sears studio things that Mom had hanging in her bedroom, and brought it down as well. The sunroom always used to be my favorite room in the house, even more than my bedroom. But lately, with the plywood and four mattresses on the floor and a clothesline that almost always has wet clothes hanging from it, and the smell of cooked canned food, and most of the furniture pushed out into the kitchen, and everything else in the room shoved to one side or another, well, it's not going to win any decorating awards. When Matt came in and saw we'd hung up the picture, he burst out laughing. Then he saw the picture he'd drawn and looked it over carefully. That's really bad, he said. It is not, Mom and I both said and cracked up. We outvoted him, so it's staying up. Now I look at it and I don't see some idealized version of me. I see a skater, any skater, at a moment of perfect beauty. I see the past the way I like to think of it. I wonder if they're dropping the ball at Times Square tonight, John said. It's already New Year's in a lot of places on Earth. I wondered, and I think we all did, if this would be our last New Year's. Do people ever realize how precious life is? I know I never did before. There was always time. There was always a future. Maybe because I don't know anymore if there is a future, I'm grateful for the good things that have happened to me this year. I never knew I could love as deeply as I do. I never knew I could be so willing to sacrifice things for other people. I never knew how wonderful a taste of pineapple juice could be, or the warmth of a wood stove, or the sound of horton purring, or the feel of clean clothes against freshly scrubbed skin. 
It wouldn't be New Year's without a resolution. I resolve to take a moment every day for the rest of my life to appreciate what I have. Happy New Year, world. January 1st. Matt informed us that he made a New Year's resolution. You know something, Mom said? This is the first year I didn't. I'm always resolving to lose weight and spend more time with you kids, and this year I actually lived up to those resolutions. I'm now officially retired. That's fine, Mom, Matt said, but I've resolved to master cross-country skiing. John and Miranda should learn with me. We can take turns with the skis. It'll get us outside and give us some exercise. How about it? Standing around in below-zero weather with the wind howling and falling into snowbanks didn't sound like all that much fun. But Matt gave me one of those looks, and I realized this wasn't about fun and games. It was about being able to escape from here if one of us needed to. Great idea, I said. And while we're taking great ideas, I have one of my own. Yes, Matt drawled, skepticism practically oozing out of him. I think I should do Mom and mine's laundry, and you and John should do your own, I said. No, Johnny yelped. I guess he has some idea of what hard work doing the laundry is. Mom, he whined. It makes sense to me, Mom said. Then Miranda should do the dishes, John said. Okay, I said. If we take turns with the dishes, I'm not going to do them all of the time. Fair's fair, Matt said. We rotate the dishes, and John and I do our own laundry, at least until we start chopping wood again. Now let's go skiing. I put on four extra pairs of socks so Dad's boots would stay on my feet, and out we went. We ski around as well as we sing, and I spent entirely too much time in snowdrifts on the road. But it got John out of his whiny mood, and by the time we finished, we could all manage a little. We'll do some more tomorrow, Matt said. It's good for us, and it's good for Mom to have some quiet time. Do you think I could ski to the pond, I asked. I'd love to do some more skating. I don't see why not, Matt said. It felt great to expand my world again. The idea of not being stuck in the sunroom cheered me up, almost as much as seeing the sun would have. New Year's, new hopes, that's the way it should be. January 3rd. We're definitely getting better with the skiing. Since it's one pair for the three of us, we don't travel great distances. Mostly we ski back and forth, but each time we increase our distance, if only by a few feet. I can't wait until I'm good enough at it to go back to the pond. I know Matt has us working at it in case there's an emergency and we need to get help, but I've set my goal as getting to the pond for some skating. Even John's gotten it, gotten into it. Matt pointed out to him that cross-country skiing is good aerobic exercise, and he should think of it as wind sprints, which he'll need to do when the baseball season starts. In a funny way, the same thing is true for Matt. He was a miler back in college, and the skiing is helping him stay in shape. I'm not sure the air quality is so great for us, but at least our hearts are getting a workout. We ski after lunch. It would be too hard in the morning on empty stomachs. There's a part of me that wonders if it's a good idea for us to burning off calories, but I guess if I starve to death, at least I'll have a good muscle tone. And it gets us out of the sunroom. January 5th. Something very weird happened this afternoon. We'd done our skiing and were sitting around the sunroom doing schoolwork when we heard someone knocking at the front door. Smoke comes out of our chimney all the time, so there's obviously people living here, but no one ever comes by. Maybe it's Peter, Mom said. Matt helped her off her mattress. We all went to the front door to see who it was. John recognized him first. It's Mr. Mortensen, he said. I need help, Mr. Mortensen said. He looked so desperate, it was frightening. My wife, she's sick. I don't know what it is. Do you have anything, any medicine, anything? No, we don't, Mom said. Mr. Mortensen grabbed her hand. Please, he said. I'm begging you. I'm not asking for food or wood. Just medicine. You must have something. Please, she's burning with a fever. I don't know what to do. Johnny, get the aspirin, Mom said. That's all we have. I'm sorry. We'll give you some aspirin. That should lower her fever. Thank you, he said. How long has she been sick, Mom asked. Just since this morning. Last night she was fine, but she's delirious. I don't like leaving her alone, but I don't know what else to do. 
John came back and handed her over some aspirin to Mr. Mortensen. I thought he was going to cry, and I felt relieved when he left. We went back to the sunroom. Mom, John said, is Mrs. Mortensen going to be all right? I hope so, Mom said. Remember, Peter told us there'd be illness, but she could just have a cold. None of us is at full strength. It could be one of those 24-hour things. Maybe he just wanted some aspirin for a headache, Matt said. Mrs. Mortensen could be out right now building a snow fort, and he just used her as an excuse. Mom smiled. That's probably wishful thinking, she said. But I'm sure she'll be all right. Now it seems to me we're all behind on our schoolwork. Miranda, tell me what you've been learning in history. So I did. As the day went along, I thought less and less about Mrs. Mortensen. But now she's all I can think about. January 6th. I know this is silly, but when we woke up this morning, I was relieved that we were still alive and well. When Matt suggested we do our daily skiing, I leaped up. I skied farther than I have before. I made it practically to the Mortensen house, but when I realized where I was, I turned around and set a record for how fast I made it back to Matt and John. When we got home, I was relieved to see Mom perfectly okay. Matt and John and I didn't say anything about it, but we'd all worked harder on our skiing than we had ever before. And Mom didn't say anything about how we stayed out too long. January 7th. It snowed last night. Our skylights are covered again, and the sunroom is back to total darkness. Matt says it wasn't snowing when he and John went out last night for their bathroom break. I guess it might, must have started right after that, because by this morning, there were already four or five inches of fresh, well, gray fresh snow on the ground. It was still snowing after lunch, and Mom said we should stay in instead of skiing. We did our going to the front door and looking to see what it looks like outside routine. The snow stopped sometime this evening, so it was nothing like the blizzard last month. Matt figures we got 8 to 10 inches, not enough to bother cleaning the roof. The heat from the wood stove will melt snow off the skylights, he said. We should expect snow in January. Fresh snow means more water, and that'll come in handy later on. All of which sounds perfectly fine, but the more snow on the ground, the harder it is to get out of here. I'm not that good at cross-country skiing, especially since Dad's boots are way too big for my feet. There's nothing I can do about it, so there's no point complaining but I miss the extra light in the sunroom. January 8th. Skiing was a lot harder on the extra 8 inches of snow. We all fell over and over. Of course, Johnny and Matt were extra tired from having to shovel the walkways and path to the road. I did their laundry for them. We're all on edge. I guess it's the snow. There were flurries again tonight, maybe an inch more. I know it didn't snow for almost a month, and Matt's right. It snows in January. But if it snows 8 inches every couple of weeks in January and February, and it doesn't melt for months, then how much snow are we going to end up with? We still have tons of firewood, but what if they can't cut any more? What if our food supply runs out? I know I'm doing this to myself. We made it through so far. There's no reason I think we won't survive much, some more in the snow. But I have that scared feeling in the pit of my stomach. It's dumb. I know it's dumb. But I wish Peter would walk through the door, or Dad and Lisa and baby Rachel. I wish Dan was here. I wish I had a postcard from Sammy making fun of me for being stuck in boring Pennsylvania. I wish the snow was off the skylights. I wish it was still Christmas.